Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the History of the Papacy podcast, a podcast about the history of the Popes of Rome and Christian Church. Prepare yourself to step behind the ropes and leave the official tour of the story of the Popes and Christianity. I'm your host, Steve Guerra, and I thank you for joining me on this journey. You can find show notes, how to contact me, sign up for our mailing list, and how to support the history of the papacy by going to our website, a2zhistorypage.com. Two great ways to support the history of the papacy are leaving your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. And another really great way to support the history of the papacy is by going and joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash history of the papacy. Your support on Patreon goes a long, long way to help keep the history of the papacy sustainable for a long time in the future. There are four tiers of support on Patreon, Antioch, Alexandria, Constantinople, and Rome. Each of these tiers represents one of the traditional patriarchates of early Christianity. There are many great benefits to you for supporting the show on Patreon. You will receive early and advertisement-free content, bonus episodes, monthly book drawings, and most importantly, you will be included on the history of the papacy diptychs. In traditional Christianity, the diptychs are the lists of bishops commemorated in order of their precedence. The sooner you sign up on Patreon, the higher you'll be on the lists of the history of the papacy patrons. Now let us commemorate the Patreon patrons on the History of the Papacy Diptychs. We have Roberto, Joran, William B., Brian, Jeffrey, Christina, John, Sarah, William H., and Judy at the Alexandria level. We have Dapo, Paul, Justin, Lana, John, Steve, and Sean, all of whom are magnificent at the Constantinople level and reaching that ultimate power and prestige, that of the Sea of Rome. We have Peter the Great, Alex the Great, Amma the Great, Frederick the Great, and Jeffrey the Great. And with that, here is the next piece of the mosaic of the history of the Popes of Rome and Christian Church. Now that leads into our uh, next statement of uh, uh, talking about papal elections and papal 
name changing. In this one, it's um, after selection, a new pope is pope-elect until his coronation. And that one I had a really hard time answering because it's it depends. What what would your uh, uh, what would be your the answer you'd be looking for on your quiz for this one? Well, I, I think that that, it, that according to according to canon law um, and, and custom before canon law was was, was codified, the pope was pope when elected, um, and because uh, I believe that you have some popes who only served a short period of time, a day. Who were never who never went through the coronation process, but who are listed in the official list of popes, and I think they're they're listed there because under under church law, um, when they are elected, they're immediately uh, uh, the pope. Uh, there's no you know the interregnum ends you know when the election you know when they you know you know send up the white smoke you know today you know to signify you know ah famous pop them. You know, you have that, and uh, everybody knows. But but I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, that that the Pope is 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 considered and has all the authority uh, vested by canon law in the Pope uh, immediately on election. I think that that was one of those things where earlier in the papacy, before that was codified, it was kind of a question mark. And then when it was codified, they backdated those popes. So I, I want to say I cannot think of the shortest uh, pope. There was one in the 1500s where I believe that it was codified by that point. But then there was one that was really early. And I don't some said that he was actually the pope. Some said he wasn't. But now by the, the current rules, he was pope as soon as you're elected pope. Yeah, even if you're not coronated, you're still considered the pope. Well, like I said, um, when um, uh, Formosus died, Boniface the sixth um, uh, was was pope for 15 days, and he's the one who died of gout, and then he's succeeded by, like I said, either Stephen the sixth or seventh, um, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, to, to get everybody together. And of course, you know, um, um, you know there have been some interesting um, stories about, you know, even after uh, the investiture controversy of 1059 and the cardinals were then, you know, uh, uh, given the sole power to pick the Pope, it really wasn't still the sole power, was it? Because the Holy Roman Emperor um, still retained uh, in fact, you saw this up to the 20th century. You know, the the the, the, the old Austro, you know, Hungarian Empire, the emperor uh, still claimed uh, to have a veto power over the selection of the pope as late as 1900. Then there was the popes in, during the six and seven hundreds who needed to have official sanction from the the Byzantine emperor, and yes, there was popes yes, who the were Byzantine pope- emperor did did have say over that. And there was popes who were popes for months. And I think there was one who was even pope for over a year that they never got their official uh, coronation because it took that long to get official word from the Byzantine emperor. But they were still pope in every single way otherwise. That's right. 
Now let's take a look at this one. No Pope has ever been assassinated. That's a really good one. I think um, I'm going to say that's a definite false. No, I already told you one of them, Stephen the sixth or seventh. And uh, Moses's gang got him, but there have been others. And if a lot of those assassinations happened again during that dark, dark ages period of the papacy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there were a lot of poisonings, you know, food, (laughs) kill the Pope with food poisoning. And you're not talking about martyrdoms either. We're talking no, about no, no. A... we're talking about murder. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a really I mean, I don't think most people that would probably be something that would shock a lot of people is how many popes have been murdered and when they happened. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's probably a good uh, on the murder side, probably a good 10, 12 at least. Now, the next one, I think, is uh, surprising as well is that no pope has ever been married and what's the official answer for that one well it's false i mean and 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 if you view if you view i mean we know a lot about saint peter uh in fact we know more about saint peter from the bible than we know about any of the other apostles even paul paul didn't talk about himself a lot um but we know a lot about peter and we know that peter was married so clearly, Pope won. If you if you consider, you know, that, and that word wasn't even used, and that's another thing that often surprises King Stephen is that you say, well, you know, it wasn't altogether clear that the Bishop of Rome was in charge, and there was a gradual shift, you know, over time when the bishops of you know Alexandria and Antioch and Corinth and you know, when they would correspond with each other, they, they'd write, they'd call each other brothers. And all of a sudden, one day, the, the Bishop of Rome starts writing to his fellow bishops and calling them sons. And that went over like a lead balloon with some of those bishops. They're like, who are you to call us sons? And what is your authority? And of course, then they started, you know, claiming the primacy of Peter and, you know, throwing Matthew 16 at him and everything else. So, uh, uh, yes, that there have been, and, and it wasn't just St. Peter who was, uh, a bunch of them were. Steve here. We are a member of the Parthenon Podcast Network, featuring great shows like James Early's Key Battles of American History podcast and many other great shows. Go over to ParthenonPodcast.com to learn more. And here is a quick word from our sponsors. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it probably isn't out of the realm that up until maybe the five, six hundreds that there could have been popes who were actually married as bishop because that wasn't uncommon in other places for married bishops. That's exactly right. Now, this is I think this is the one we'll wrap up with today, but I think this is one of the most interesting ones. And it it opens up a lot of other avenues of discussion is no Englishman has ever been elected pope. And I think my first thought would be that, yeah, that's true. And am I correct in Uh, saying uh, that that's true? No, there's that. And it's false because Hadrian the fourth. Uh, actually is the only Englishman who's ever been elected Pope. I would love to know more about him because his papacy is in the 1100s, so they don't have any real biographical information on who his parentage was or his uh, ancestry. My guess is he would probably have been a Norman French at that point, so he probably wouldn't have been an Anglo-Saxon, but he could have been. It would be really interesting to know more about him. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I do not know much about about uh, Hadrian uh, the Fourth. What what I do know though is that you know when you talk about popes and their names, um, as 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 you know, I think you know we could all acknowledge um, uh, the country of France has been a pain in the neck <laughs> to the church and to the popes almost since since its founding. You know, you had the fat, the famous battle, you know, that, um, that that Boniface VIII ultimately lost to Philip the Fair in the early 1300s. Uh, that 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 uh, Dante, you know, writes about uh, and puts uh, Boniface in the eighth or the ninth circle of hell. I forgot. He, he might have been in the ninth, but um, 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 so yeah. But but the thing that, that I was going to point out about names was if it's a clinic. He's probably French. He's probably a crappy. <laughs> that's been my that's been my take on history. Um, the only Clement that I can think of that was not French is I believe it was Clement the Fourteenth, and he was the one who suppressed the Jesuits in seventeen seventy three. Now Pius the, the I think Pius the Seventh uh, restores the Jesuits I believe in eighteen fourteen, uh, and of course now we have a Jesuit pope. Um, uh, but but he was Italian. Clement the Fourteenth was Italian. Uh, but all the other Clements, you know, there were a number of them during the Avignon's papacy. Uh, you know, the Clements are all French, and they're and and they're usually pretty ineffective, pretty lousy popes. I found it really interesting when you start looking at the nationalities of the popes. It's pretty unusual. The last three popes we have. An Argentine pope, now Pope Francis, then Benedict XVI was German, or is German, and then you have John Paul the um, Second, who was Polish. That's really un- that's really unusual, given that of the two hundred and sixty-ish odd popes, 
over 200 of them were from the Italian peninsula. You can't necessarily say Italy because at different times they were right, right. under well, different... Well, no, I mean, that's another thing that often comes up in the course um, or, or in, my, in, my, in my speeches. Um, when you tell people that Italy didn't become a country until 1870, it blows people's minds. No, they were a country long before then. Like, nope, nope, they were not. They were like this disparate... You know, the Pope had, you know, the Rome had the, you know, the papal states kind of ebbed and flowed depending on on the the, the powers that be. Um, you know, the Lombards, you know, kind of took part of it. And then finally, you know, Pope Leo, you know, because his predecessor, uh, Hadrian, had been very close to Charlemagne. Uh, but then, you know, when Leo succeeds Charlemagne, it was actually one of Hadrian's gang who got Leo III, and almost cut his tongue out. Uh, and that's when he, he summoned Charlemagne and said, please come restore order in, you know, in, in Peter's holy city, uh, which he did, uh, and slapped those people back and, and finally put the Lombards out of commission. You know, he just said, I've had, you made me come here three times to, uh, to deal with you. Now, this time I'm, I'm going to deal you a death blow. And, and, he, and he did. I mean, the Lombards, you know, they were still there, but 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 he kind of took the fangs out of the Lombard, you know, at least, you know, for all intents and purposes. One of the ones that really surprised me, it didn't surprise that France has, after the Italian peninsula, France has the second most number of popes at only 16. So that didn't necessarily surprise me. The number was low. I would have, if I had to make a guess, I probably would have thought there was more than that. But the thing that surprised me is that there hasn't been a French pope since the 1300s with the end of the Avignon papacy. I thought that that was kind of surprising. Well, yes and no. Um, as I said, um, the Gallican um, uh, controversy, if you will, you know, the whole um, French relationship with the church uh, has been you know, antagonistic. You know, the, you know, the kings of France, you know, were always trying to interfere. I mean, even even Napoleon, I mean, Napoleon basically kidnapped the pope um, or held him hostage. So, um, uh, you know, the the church's relationship with France uh, has been has been fractured uh, and, and certainly troubled. Uh, the Avignon papacy and, you know, the cardinals, you know, the French cardinals selecting one of their own. And then, you know, and, and like I said, there were good reasons to uh, to go to safer territory, uh, the, you know, because Rome was was not a safe place. Um, but um, I, I, I'm really on balance, not that surprised that we haven't had more French popes. And, and look at the French people. I mean, their their church percentage, their church regular church attendance percentages are like the lowest. Um, you know, on the on the on the on the upper end, you know, you have the Poles, who, you know, in Poland's like 95% Catholic. Um, and almost all of them go to church, um, or at least a good percentage of them. Um, uh, the French uh, I, the last number I saw was like ten percent of French Roman Catholics actually attend mass. I mean, they're, they're Roman Catholics in name only. Now, if you had, if I had to put you in a corner and say, who was your favorite pope and your least favorite pope? Who would you pick? That's kind of a tough question. That is a tough question um, because you know it's there been there. To be honest, I I would have to. As far as impact on the world, um, 
And that may not be the right measure, but I'd say Pope St. John Paul II, you know, for ending, you know, playing, you know, the, 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 the partnership of, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, Margaret Thatcher, and John Paul II basically was the death knell of the, of the USSR. Um, you know, those, those three, and the, and the Pope, you know, because, the, you know, his people were, you know, inside the, the Iron Curtain. Um, I believe that he probably, um, spiritually, I don't, you know, I mean, once again, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, 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 to measure that. Uh, you could certainly say that, um, uh, that, you know, the popes that have, have, have earned the name the Great, Gregory the Great. Uh, I think was it Sylvester. Uh, there, there, I think there are only two um, uh, that have actually earned the name the Great Leo. I think it was Leo. Um, uh, so you know, one of them. As far as the the, the, the others, well, there's there's lots of potentially uh, uh, worse popes. Um, you know, given that uh, my favorite piece of literature is the Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri. I would say probably um, uh, Boniface the Eighth, uh, but but you could certainly make a case for uh, for Alexander the Sixth uh, or any of the popes that that were really really bad with uh, uh, simony and nepotism, uh, which many of them were. Uh, so, uh, I, what what what? Are, who are you? Who's your uh, most effective and and and, and most heinous? <laughs> I think maybe because I've been reading so much about Pius the Ninth, there's something I really, I really respect about him that he, he could have folded so easily at many parts of his career, but love him or hate him, agree with him or disagree with him. He stuck to his guns when it was really difficult to continue to stick to his to his principles and maybe they you know he didn't really have principles but he took a stand and he stuck to it and i think that and we're at about 150 years after his death we're still really the catholic church is pious the ninth catholic church and in the 2000 years of roman catholic latin christianity there's not many popes who have put their stamp on the papacy for as long as he has. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, uh, and, and it's really a phenomenon because normally, you know, the pope was a secular ruler, okay, until 1870, and the pope was deposed. Now we know that in other countries, you know, uh, you know, we live in a in a country where you know we tend to respect. Now we've had we had problems in the last election, but it's but it's an it's an anomaly. Okay, we tend to respect you know the election. Um, in other countries, you know, losers start shooting. Um, uh, you know, more often than not. And uh, when a when a leader is deposed, I mean, there was a country uh, I just I was just reading about. You know, they 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 chase the leader had to leave, and, and in this case, you know. Pio Nono um, was deposed as the leader of the Papal States in 1870 and was literally a prisoner in the Vatican until he died in 1878. But the popes continued resident all the while, because remember, until the Lateran Accords in 1929, which they entered into with Mussolini, which set up Vatican City as an independent city-state, one of the conditions of the Lateran Accords was 
of the church surrender its continual claims to the papal states, which the church maintained continuously from 1870. Like I said, when Victor Emmanuel talked the Austrian troops into going home um, until 1929. So that period of 59 years, uh, what you had was, you know, you, well, well, what? Okay, who were the popes? You had uh, uh, during that time period. Okay, you had you had uh, uh, Pio Nono till 1878. I think you had uh, was it Leo the 13th? I think until 1903, and then you had a pious. Um, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I believe in uh, uh, Benedict, uh, Benedict the, uh, the, the 15th. Um, and, um, you know, uh, but for that 59 years, those people, it was amazing that, that they were able to, to survive. Yeah. You know, because the whole time they're saying, this is really our territory. And, you know, like I said, normally when a, when a, when a deposed ruler uh, is deposed, uh, they're either, you know, uh, 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 killed or, 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 or they, you know, you know, escape and go into exile. But the Pope stayed there. You're like, no, we're sticking around. <laughs> and, and, and I think that may be the, the, the point you're making about Pius the, uh, Pius the Ninth, or I love the Italian uh, name, Pio Nono. Um, uh, you know, he, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. This is my territory and I'm sticking to it. And even though you take away, you know, my, my right to govern it, um, uh, I still maintain that I've done. Steve here again with a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, everyone. I'd like to say something about a new product I've tried called Calatrin. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calatrin is for healthy weight loss. I have taken Calatrin myself, and I can honestly confirm that I've lost weight, I sleep better, and, and I have found relief from a joint injury that I sustained in my arm. Calatrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age, and I am reaching of that age where things decrease. Taking Calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calatrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HOP two three zero six zero five, and I'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HOP two three zero six zero five, and I really do recommend you give this product a try, and I'll talk to you next time. They were some of the most powerful men who've ever lived. They waged war, forged peace, and altered the fates of billions of people. And yet, they were just as human, just as flawed as you and me. They were the presidents of the United States, and they are the subjects of the history podcast, This American President. In each episode of This American President, we explore how flawed men have managed this awesome responsibility. To listen now, go to ParthenonPodcast.com or search This American President on your favorite podcast platform. That's what I, I think. That, and I'm not going to uh, judge or evaluate 
Francis I, but I think that if I could live maybe a hundred years more, I would love to see how his papacy plays out in the larger scheme, because I think that he really could be the starting of a new era for the papacy, depending on what happens after him. I think, like you were saying with John Paul II, the end of communism, it was pretty obvious after his death that he was going to go down as a major figure. And I think his history was pretty much written I think it's going to be very interesting to see some of the trends that started under Francis, how they play out after his death and in the decades that come after his papacy. Well, I I will say two things about that. Okay, first of all, and I will I will self-identify as 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 adamantly opposed to uh, Francis and everything he's done and everything he's about. um, I believe that there is a story that we haven't been told um, about the, the circumstances surrounding Benedict XVI's highly unusual abdication. Um, and, you know, in history, you know, you got to go back to, you know, when the, we had the three popes during the Great Schism. And, you know, they, you know, they all three agreed to resign. And, you know, Martin V was elected and, you know, we had a new we had a new deal. Um, but that's 700 years, okay? And, um, you know, before then, you know, you say, well, you know, uh, 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 who was the monk that, that Boniface VIII talked into uh, uh, resigning? Celestine VIII? Uh, so, Celestine, yeah. And, and of course, and of course um, uh, uh, Dante throws him in a circle of hell, too, for, you know, for being weak. But um, uh, there really haven't been that many voluntary abdications. But the thing that's unusual is there's a book that just came out, and I don't know if you've seen it. I've read some 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 uh, some reviews of it, uh, but I haven't read the book yet. I haven't bought the book, and I, I want to get it. But there's apparently quite a battle in the Curia right now between the forces loyal to Benedict the Sixteenth, who's apparently leading the way you know, as a as sort of a pope um, in exile, if you will. Who's fighting his successor? And and people say, well, you know, um, Benedict was in long enough to have selected most of the voting cardinals because, as you know, uh, when they attain the age of eighty, they lose their voting rights. They can sit in consistory, but they can't vote. Okay, but the church history, the papal history, is full and replete of situations where the cardinals elect somebody who's one hundred eighty degrees different from their predecessor. And you say, well, those are the same cardinals who elected that guy. And then that guy selected people who were loyal to him. So you'd think you'd get much of the same. But that hasn't been the case in the church's history. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if, to be honest, I have grave doubts that Benedict uh, resigned voluntarily. And, and, and it will not surprise me if history um, confirms my, uh, my fear uh, that, there, that something Something happened, and then all of a sudden you pick a guy who couldn't be more different than Benedict the Sixteenth. Okay, um, I believe that Francis's history and how he will be remembered in history one hundred years hence is going to depend in large part on who his successor is, um, because as you know, the winners write the history. Yeah, and, that's you know, going to be they huge. They integrate the losers. 
Um, and usually it's much worse than the losers deserved. But, you know, to the victor go the spoils, as they say. That's going to I really want to hear or uh, want to see who a successor is, because I think that's that really will be one of the the hallmarks that to see and the benchmark, I think, to see where things go from there and what really Francis's impact. And I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we might only be a few years away. Francis is pretty old at this point. He's 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 uh, he's eighty six. Yeah. So, I mean, he he doesn't have an uh, an unlimited amount of time left in his papacy. And it will it will be fascinating to see who comes out of the next uh, conclave, just because I think that that's going to read. That's going to be the thing that writes the history of Francis's papacy. Oh, well, that's right. That's exactly that's exactly what I said. And I I think that, you know, it would be a mistake to assume that that. That the cardinals, who have not, you know, he's now selected a majority of the voting cardinals, just as Benedict had. But the the the, the cardinals that Benedict selected elected a guy who couldn't be more different than Benedict the sixteenth. But but as I said, the the church's history of the cardinals making those 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 choices um, is full of those one hundred eighty degree swings. Um, you know, it goes back to even as far as, you know, when it started the schism, and I forget the I forget who the Pope was that started it, but there were 14 cardinals that selected the Pope, and two years later, those same 14 cardinals pick a new Pope, you know, because they didn't like what they elected. Um, and it was the same cardinals, same exact uh, group of cardinals uh, that elected a new, that deposed, you know, well, I don't know, legal. But you know they you know they elected another pope. They got together and elected another pope. So um, yeah, I, I think that um, uh, and I and I really don't know how it could, how it's going to come out, other than the fact that it won't surprise me if what it, if if the pope that follows Francis is more like Benedict than Francis, because that that, that would be consistent with churches. And we're really, I think, as a way to wrap up today, that's what we're seeing is that in the papacy. History is being made at every moment. Like this is the history of the for the next thousand years. The you know entering the the third millennium of the papacy, we're seeing the history books being written right now. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. And and, and what's in, what's very interesting, and I think what fascinates uh, uh, people like you and I with with the papacy as institution is it remains to this day one of the most important. Uh, position in civilization, not just Western civilization, in civilization. You know, the fact that a that, that a leader of a church that is nowhere close to being a majority of the world is still um, an extremely important, relevant player, not only not only religiously, but politically, uh, socially, uh, intellectually. Um, and I think that, that, that the, the, the overall importance of the papacy uh, hasn't has been nothing but in hand over time, and, and as we sit here in 2022, the papacy is more relevant today than perhaps it's ever been. 